welcome everyone to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, of course, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, December the 20th. Um, I can't remember, when's the last time we did a Thursday show that posted on Friday? Um, but that's sort of the way the schedule broke this week with National Signing Day and Virginia having a basketball game down in Columbia. Um, is part of the Virginia-South Carolina Invitational between the two uh, revenue sports. Um, we probably won't get to much basketball tonight because we're going to talk uh, about signing day. Um, I feel bad calling it signing day because it's not technically signing day. It's technically, I guess, the beginning of the early signing period. Um, but for all intents and purposes now, it is signing day, as, as uh, the numbers show. Uh, Virginia had a really good day. Uh, currently sitting, I think, at 32nd in the uh, Rivals team rankings with uh, 23 commitments. That includes both of the German kids, one of which <laughs> randomly signed uh, earlier this evening. So we'll talk about all of that before we do. Let me go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Doing great, Brad. I'm still waiting. You think Ja'Kai Moore still has another shirt on underneath that last <laughs> South Carolina shirt? Uh, who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. I'm going to have to explain that in a second. And then up in uh, Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on this here program. How are you, my friend? I'm 100% committed to being here. No interviews. <laughs> no respect interview. my decision. Hashtag uh, the same standard that we've had for four years or whatever it's been. <laughs> At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. No interviews. <laughs> and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the updates, content items, and many, many typos. All right. Um, <laughs> so for the record, Ja'Kai Moore, offensive lineman from Northern Virginia, committed to South Carolina after he opened his shirt had a South Carolina shirt, then took that shirt off and had a Penn State shirt, and then took that shirt off and had a South Carolina shirt and then put on the South Carolina hat. Um, as well as uh, – I definitely had a kid this week say no interviews, and then I messaged him immediately and was like, yo, I thought we were talking at 3.30. He's like, no, no, we're still good. I'm like, oh, okay. So sometimes when kids say no interviews, they don't really mean no interviews. They just mean no interviews with anybody else. Um, all right, so Virginia has a – I mean, I, I want to say it's a, it was a really good day. Um, they, they missed out on, um, on the Baldwin kid. Right. Um, but they got Nathaniel Beal as, uh, as foretold and got everybody else signed, um, with the absence of, um, Jairus Satui and, uh, the two German kids with obviously, uh, Kareem Al-Sufi, uh, signing today. I, I mean, it has to be a win. Dave, let's start with you. Um, we all sort of knew what was coming down the pike how how did yesterday sort of uh, rank or um, sort of um, how did it sort of measure up, so to speak, in your mind in terms of like uh, the big picture? It was good. I mean, you know, I'm never going to poo poo any of the classes that Bronco and his guys bring in just for the fact that if you're a if you're a football recruit and you listen to what they're telling you and you still sign the dotted line, that says a little bit about your character at that age. Um I mean, they're not they're not filling these guys' heads with false promises, right? You know, they're telling you, hey, you may not even get the V Sabers on your practice stuff, much less a jersey. Um, so, you know, it's a different kind of kid, anyway. Now, the fact that in three, you know, three years now, they've uh, increased the caliber of kid they're able to get by into that pitch is pretty impressive to me. Um, you know, I think they've always done a good job of being very cognizant of the roster needs and recruiting to it. Um, now, sometimes that meant took fl- taking flyers on lower rated kids, but this year, I think, you know, as Bronco mentioned in the press conference, having, having the increased personnel to help with recruiting and them knowing, you know, having better relationships and having been here a few years, it's a really good classic continues to hit the needs that the roster had. Like if you spelled out what they needed, those were the things they went after and they got in spades. Now there might be a flyer or two in there, but they're in positions where they can afford to take a flyer. They're not relying on a flyer for that depth. Um, so overall it's, it's, it was a really good day. And the fact that they were able to keep those guys locked in and a lot of these guys have been recruited from I mean, committed for months. Um, you didn't see any drama from, from those guys threatening to flip. And then they picked up a couple of really good late signees. So Overall, like if you'd have told me that's how the class would have been at the beginning of the year, I'd have been very happy, and now I'm certainly happy. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think 
Um, for before I go, I'm going to give you. I'm going to ask you to grade it because you're the guy who does the grades on things. Um, but the thing that stuck out to me in when when they originally said like, "Hey, you're going to have um, an early signing period." It immediately became a thing to me where it's like, oh, okay, this is what this is when you want to basically just make sure you lock everything down. And I don't mean that uh, in a negative sense. I just mean it in terms of this is an opportunity for schools to basically to to understand the knowns and to set the table, so to speak, going into the second uh, the second signing period or second signing day. Um, and it and it very quickly has gone from. Yeah, there were a bunch of kids who signed throughout the day. To now, it, it's it's basically signing day. I mean, right out of the gate uh, yesterday morning. I mean, that thing, you know, it was humming. And I always tell people like signing day, or at least if you cover UVA recruiting, it's not a it's not a big decision day. It's really a, more about um, um, it's a facts kind of day. And I don't mean facts in terms of the facts machine. I mean facts in terms of like real um, discernible something you can you know build on. It's the day when all of the noise becomes real, right? And so you can say, hey, uh, I'm, I'm kind of not sure if I'm going to sign or whatever, but really this is the day you either do it or you don't, right? It, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to sign earlier. I'm not sure if I'm, you know, who I'm committed. It all comes down to that, right? And, and, and then you also understand who does and does not clear compliance. But when I look at this class, um, I don't know if Ferber's going to grade it here in a second, but I give it, I mean, I would, like I said on the board, it's a home run to me. Maybe if I want to pick nits, you know, say you want one more lineman be, you know, offense or defense, maybe even one of both. Um, Broncos answer to my question about that yesterday was pretty much, Hey, look, if this was what it is, then we're good. Um, they need some grad transfers and they need some, um, you know, a couple pieces here and there, but realistically, like they really think that this, this, this class as it is, is, is going to be fine for, um, moving forward. Um, uh, we'll get into some of the specifics about the class, but Ferber, I'm curious as as you look at this, how would you grade uh, Virginia's 2019 Hall so far? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do that sometimes. Yeah, I wasn't prepared. Um, I'd say it's like a B plus. Um, if I'm, and I think that might be you know a little hard. I guess uh, I'm not really grading with a curve there, so. Um, I mean, it's a class that's ranked, I don't remember, maybe, you know, like in the thirties nationally. Yeah. 30, currently at 30 seconds. Yeah. And I don't think that's the end all be all. And uh, I don't think it is the Bronco either. He's not a guy that is going to be, if he was recruiting to, you know, to try to get a win a PR war, then it's not going to work with the culture that he's trying to build and all that. Like they've said, um, I'd say, you know, it's not just about the players. It's about the process you go through and how good you are at recruiting. I think that they did a really good job of getting the guys that going into the class we thought they could get. Um, like Ben Smiley specifically is a guy that we thought the UVA would have a good shot with and they got him. Um, you know, still, I think that even after that, they did a, a good job scouting as well and finding some other guys that were maybe under the radar. And... Um, they get, they, you know, since they've been in Charlottesville, they, they seem to have a tendency to kind of get out ahead of other teams in recruiting guys and try to shut them down quickly. There were a few guys in this class that I think kind of fit that mold. Um, like Fentrell Cypress, for example, is a guy that they got early. Um, I think he might've probably gotten some more offers considering where he's from and the talent that he has. Um, I think he could have maybe, and then, you know, the Florida kids as well, um, being able to not only go get those guys early, but then keep them, I think is important. I think the overall talent of the class is the best class that they've had since they've been here. Uh, I think that they, like like you guys said, I think they address needs. I think they got a good blend of different positions that they kind of need. And not only that, but skill sets within those positions. So like at wide receiver, they're not in need of a lot of smaller shift your uh slot guys they need outside receivers who can go up and win 50 50 balls and also block um so i think they did a really good job addressing that position i really think the two running backs are good um i think harvey has a lot of potential at quarterback he's probably gonna you know take some development um obviously he doesn't have like the prototypical size i guess but um that's not necessarily a you know a game changer i mean kyler murray won the heisman and he's pretty small so um Overall, I think that they did a good job addressing the needs, and I think they brought in a really good 
uh, class that's not, you know, the first class or two, you know, are kind of foundational. And then I think this one is kind of building on that and building on some of the on-field momentum they've had and um, continuing to make those inroads. But, you know, the one area where I'd like to see them continue to improve is, you know, inc- you know, recruiting in-state. Um, I don't think that you have to pull all your kids from Virginia, but when you can kind of build those relationships with the high schools and get guys to come here, you can start, you know, creating pipelines kind of like the previous staff did, at least with the, you know, the higher end kids from the 757. And obviously there are other parts of the state that they need to recruit as well. But I mean, obviously if they continue to win on the field then they should be able to make inroads there. So um, that's the one area I'd kind of like to see them improve, but that doesn't mean it's a bad class. Like I said, it's the best one that UVA signed in a long time. And I think the fans should be really happy with what they're getting. Uh, They're getting some immediate contributors, guys that'll probably take some time to develop and uh, guys that really address needs. So I think overall really good class. Yeah, I mean, if you if you sort of want to lay it all out there, right? You know, lay it all. Uh, it's 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 weird to me to see Virginia have a class with four in-state kids, and that does count Hunter Stewart, um, even though he went to high school at Gonzaga, uh, and then one DC kid, all right. But also have six kids from Florida, and think like these are not these kids from Florida are they're not like also Rands. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like they didn't have offers. It's not you know what I mean. Like to have Six kids from Florida and two from Louisiana. I mean, Virginia has not been one of these programs historically that has dipped its toe that often into the recruiting hotbeds. But right now, if you want the best players in the country, you're going to Florida, Georgia, Louisiana. Um, Texas, yeah. where they got one. Well, yeah, Texas as well. But, I mean, like even Texas has sort of fallen down that a little bit as Georgia has sort of you know sprung up the ladder. I just – I look at this group, man, and I got to be honest, like – these dudes are not just guys who fit like they it's it's every coach on signing day right says you know oh we addressed a bunch of needs but like you're not just bringing in dudes like these are these are real players i mean you watch cypress run like that kid is fast i I, I, we should probably count him as an in-state kid because he grew up in virginia um the goddard kid is is really good and 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 had they not gone out and, and snagged beal at the 11th hour we would have all we would have all been kind of uh, talking about. I mean, Wicks as well. Between Wicks and Beal, like if not for those two, like we would be talking about how crazy good Goddard is. But I mean, they're they're the size that they brought in at wide receiver. That's a huge win. Um, the 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 depth that they brought in at defensive back. That's a huge win. Um, the fact that they were able to get um, a pair of very good defensive linemen. I know Ben Smiley now a three on our service uh, was a four when he committed. Uh, and Briggs, obviously the the best recruit that they've signed since they arrived. I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, if even if we tried to get really picky, and you wanted to say like, oh, you know, this is a good group, but there's not, there's just not a lot of there there. Um, I, I just, I like the, I like the way uh, this class was. I like how well rounded it is. I, I like the the fact that there's they're not too heavy on things that they don't need. Um, a la the late London years where you were just basically taking dudes who would say yes. Um, and I do think that the, that we've seen enough from this staff so far to understand like they're going to develop, like you, you look at a couple of these dudes and you say, yeah, that kid's going to be good. Even if he's not necessarily a really highly rated guy, because you've seen this staff develop those types of kids. Um, Dave, I think I may have cut you off there. What were you about to say? No, just, you're right. It's a, it's a very complete class. Um, you know, I was just I was looking back while Justin and you were talking. You know, it's the best class from Rivals ratings at Virginia Assange since 2013. Um, and if you look at the bulk of the team that we are seeing on the field today, outside the grad transfers um, and Bryce, which doesn't, you know, it's a big factor that doesn't show up on their recruiting rankings. Uh, you know, the highest 2015 is the highest rated class, and that that was 43rd by Rivals. And only about five of those guys are playing consistently. Their big guys are OZ and Juan and Eli and RJ. Um, I'm missing someone. But, you know, the other classes are 61st, 58th, and 69th. Um, so the coaches have shown you can, they can develop players. And you're talking to astronomical leap up to 32. Yeah. You know, it's the second best class in the coastal. Now I won't pick on rivals. I think it's, it's something that probably a lot of the sites have to look at when you're ranking. It's a little weird to me that some schools that have players who chose not to sign in December but are still technically committed 
are ranked higher than Virginia. <laughs> you know, they're not basing it's, it just yeah. on the San guys. I mean, so. they're kind of looking at it, I think, with the final rankings would be after the final signing day. Yeah, exactly. Which is a little odd because a lot Which of just doesn't give us the real-time feedback. Right, yeah. but we also— but, but either but, way, it's going to be hold the, on, by wait, far the best what, class of the but, but I will—let me make, let me just defend the, the shield here. But at the same time, we rank the recruiting classes even when they're just committed. So it's not like it's it's specific oh, yeah, to signing. Yeah. So it's not, it's not necessarily like anything changes. The only thing that's different is some of those kids have a signed bubble next to their name, and some of them still say committed. Um, yeah, but I, but I, but I take your I, point. Yeah, it's a, it's a little odd because you know a lot of the a lot of the the daily newspapers and stuff that don't cover recruiting often, they're going to look at this snapshot and say, "Hey, this is where their class ranked." But in technique, you know, the real rankings won't be out till February. So Virginia's probably going to fall a couple spots just because some of some big name programs are behind them. But regardless, I mean, it's going to be substantially better than from a rankings perspective than any class Bronco has signed um, ever. And, yeah, ever. Yeah, even back at BYU. But true. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine he had like a really highly rated now, class there. But. Off the top of my head, I want to say his highest rate class there was high 40s. Um, and that's tough because, you know, you sign high 40s there and you don't see him for two years. So um, it, it's a really good class with a lot of exciting players. And, you know, I'm still – I agree. Like, I think it would be nice to have some more players from Virginia. Um, but, you know, Bronco said it multiple times. You know, it's – but five, I think he's five times harder, he says, to recruit in-state um, and, you know, didn't end well in that game against the other team in the state again this year. So for me, like, I'll forgive him. I'll give him a pass on that. I think keep winning, that gets easier. But, you know, if it takes you that much longer and you can put together this class outside the state that fits your mold, then you do what you got to do to win because, you know, Bronco's not going to get an extension on his contract because he signed 15 kids from Virginia and lost. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, and that that was honestly exactly what Brad said. I was just kind of trying to pick pick nits, you know. There's it's not a perfect class, so um, I, yeah. I couldn't. There's not like any. I like like Brad said, maybe another offensive lineman. Um, honestly, offensive line is hard to project, so I don't want to say like I'm down on the offensive lineman in the class, but it's we won't really know and for another few years. Um, the one thing that we do know is that Jaquay Hubbard is the first like highly rated recruit at, on offensive line that they've gotten in quite some time. First four um, stars since Stephen Moss. Right. Yeah. So, and, and we all know how that worked out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's hard to project offensive linemen. So, um, hey, did y'all read the article? Not to not to plug another media outlet. I was going to mention it too. I think Feldman had a really good article in the. Uh, I think it was Feldman. Red Athletic. <laughs> redacted yeah so what was it the pro bowlers last year the average star rating yeah the alpha delon was 2.4 yeah with it's, it's zero so hard, four stars yeah. it's <laughs> so. because the, the level of competition like i mean we were watching uh kareem al sufi's highlights earlier right when he signed and he was mauling dudes and he's a great athlete but i have no idea what he's playing against. right exactly like he could he could have like has he ever had to face adversity on the field like we don't know because we don't know what his. I'm assuming his competition level is pretty bad. And and not only and you that, can't hold that against him. But I mean, but also it is too, what it is, we don't know. But also so. too, like you all. I mean, I, we don't know how old the kids were. He was running over, right? Like those dudes could have been yeah. how you know half of them could have been grown men for all we know. They just been yeah. short, you know. But I think that's a good point. Like the offensive line is always tough to project, especially. Um, you know, because a lot of the, the a lot of the highly rated offensive line recruits are big guys with good reach and good feet. You know, but they they almost Athletes. they almost they almost to a man have horrible habits that they've got to change. There's stuff about their body that's got to change, and really it all comes down to the right kid and the right program. I mean, you look at some of the you know some of the different guys who make it to the league. You ever watch um, like you ever watch the NFL um, and you know whether it's um, NBC or um, I think uh, somebody else does it too. Maybe or is it just NBC that does the where they say where they're from? Yeah, right. And and you're and you hear the schools mentioned. You're like, wow, like they're not just traditional powers, you know. And there's a reason for that. Like, but offensive line too is 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 a little bit different in the sense that what what offenses are asking of offensive linemen these days is different. And so it's so right. much, you know, it's scheme based. Um, and it's different from program to program. Yeah, exactly. I look at Hubbard and, and Leach and Teeter in this class, and uh, I know Dave would love for Smiley to play uh, offense, but um, 
if something tells me that if he if he listens to this podcast, we're gonna have a Mike Moore situation on our, on our hands again. Um, but I mean, those three guys are quality, you know, prospects. You know, plenty of size. All of them six five or taller. Um, two seventy, two ninety, three thirty. Um, Al Sufi comes in I- I- as well. What is he six four, three thirty? Um, as he's listed, I, that's that's a lot of you know that's a lot of potential in that group. And then I think if you if you just think if you just think about the two lines combined, they're they're going to add six guys um, on the in the trenches, and all of them have good size, good measurables, uh, and and good athleticism. Um, you know, I mean, like I was watching. It's funny we were talking the other day amongst ourselves about you know which kids might you know might be a little bit of a reach here or there. And I, I went back and watched some film, and I mean, some of these guys are a little bit better than I remembered. Um, that that's sort of, you know, we we like to joke about preseason awesomeness disease, and I guess that's some. There's something about signing day that makes you think every every recruit's good. But, but I think there's something to it because a lot of times, you know, when we're looking at the film when they commit, it's their junior film. That's right? true. Yeah, that's. And then point. it's like, oh, they made a leap, you know, this yeah. year. They're even better. Yeah, I watched that. I watched that Leech Kids film, and I was like, oh. Okay, like he's he's a lot more athletic. He's got really good feet, and I yeah. you know did not remember. The one thing that I will way. say, I feel like the the film I went back and watched for the guys, I will never name who I thought was in the reach category, <laughs> but those guys were like middle of the class last yeah. year, right? So that that's what's exciting to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I mean like last year, uh, I mean I'm looking at the class from last year, and obviously, like you said, there's some uh, you know signing day awesomeness disease in there for any signing day. But I, I thought that just, I remember last year when the, the class signed, I thought there was like five kids that, and I'm not saying I never thought they'd play, but I thought that, you know, they were projects or reaches or guys that you take, but you know, you just hope for the best with them, but not guys that you're like, that guy's going to come in and contribute. Um, this class, there's like one or two. Right. And and that doesn't even mean those guys aren't going to turn out good. Like we, I was kind of joking. I said those guys with this staff will probably end up being the best two guys in the class or whatever. But um, yeah, the the number of like very solid players has gone up. And I mean, if, I I don't want to keep crapping on like the London staff, but that was that was honestly those class ratings were made up of completely different groups. I mean, those class ratings, you know, around the same national you know ranking, but they were very top heavy. And that's, you know, inflating the rating. And then you look at the bottom of those classes and you're like, oh, God. (laughs) And if you go back and count how many of those guys from those classes are even played or like, you know, played a meaningful role, you you can boil it down to like a third of them because they were like like Brad said, kind of just taking guys, you know, the 15 deep defensive backs and wide receivers in a class. Um, And that's just not a good way to do it long term. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a that's not a bad get like there are guys in those classes that people got really fired up about like smoke Mizell and micah kaiser and eli harold and for a good reason but then at the bottom of the class it was like a bunch of dudes yeah um, now what's interesting though is that then you also had these random dudes like chris peace right because because right, right, yeah. chris peace and, and i and i say this with all due respect to him because he has worked his tail off to become the player he is but if you think about it at the time like he was sort of an add-on, right, to the class. I mean, they were sort of taking flyers at the end of that. Uh, end of that. Yeah, that he was cycle. a really late addition. And he had he, now he. I will say it. He had a crazy senior season, and he and he certainly earned the offer. I mean, he he deserved he he earned somebody giving him a shot, and he made the most of it. I mean, the kid apparently is one of the hardest workers that Bronco Mendenhall's ever seen. Which I just don't think that when it comes to working hard, that like Bronco Mendenhall is an easy dude to impress. So when he talks about like ad nauseum about how hard you work, I think that's a pretty good sign that you probably work hard. Um, but you're right. I mean, like if you think about some of those classes, like they were just basically dudes thrown into a pile. Here you can see logic, and I mean, um, I don't remember which one of you said this yesterday, but basically the idea that Bronco's at his best when he's talking about structure and organization and sort of you know needs and planning and that kind of thing. And he's not very good at hiding his excitement about this class. <laughs> I noticed, like, I mean, if you watch that press conference, he's very, like, there were certain players when they were mentioned, he kind of got that little, like, glint in his eye. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? I also loved his answer to my to the question about rankings and ratings, and he basically said, well, finally, you know, they got one right. Um, because he not only likes this group, but he appreciates that they're they're highly ranked or rated or what have you. Um, I want to go through and sort of talk about some of the guys. Uh, I don't think we need to go name by name, but I do want to kind of give some quasi superlatives, if it makes any sense. Um, and it's okay if we have some of the same answers. I'm just curious. 
All right, let's go through and say, let's go with the guy we're most excited about in this group. Um, and I'll go first and take Juwan Briggs just because, <laughs> you know. Fair. My, <laughs> my ball, my, my game. Um, I, I, am, I remain just astounded at watching a kid who can be off the field who Juwan is and then on the field. Like, you watch some of those highlights from him at the five-star challenge. That dude is mean. Like, you don't typically – a lot of the defensive linemen at those kinds of events, like, they are so focused on speed and just trying to get around dudes, right, that this kid goes through people. And, I mean, and, and I, I look, I, again, they're not playing in pads in those clips, but, I mean, you're talking about a kid who he just has a nasty streak. And maybe he doesn't have the measurables uh, a defensive tackle to be a five-star, but number 60 overall in the class, um, obviously the, the highest-rated kid that Bronco has signed at, at UVA. Um, I'm just really excited for him. Not only, you know, as my question to, to Bronco about, you know, letting us talk to freshmen, um, which he, he very gracefully, uh, swatted down, uh, with authority. Um, if there was ever a kid to do it, he's the one man. Cause like, I, I just interviewing that dude, he, you can't, you can't help but like him. He's just, he has one of those personalities and, uh, it's going to be really interesting to, to watch his career. I, he's easily the, in a with a, in a group that I probably could say two or three other ones easily. He's the guy to me, um, that I'm most excited about by far. Um, Ferber, let's go to you next. Who, who's the, who give me either. If you want to say Briggs, that's fine, but who nah. give me somebody you're excited about. Yeah, I have two. Um, Take them both so Dave doesn't have an answer. That's always fun. Nah, that's all right. I'll go one, and then if I if there's time, we'll come back. Um, I'll go offense. I'll go Seneca Millage. Um, speed, speed, speed. I think the more speed you can have on the field, the better. This dude, uh, not only is he fast, he kind of he runs hard. He runs through people, even though he's 5'6", 155. Um, he can catch the ball. He can play quarterback if you need him to. Hopefully they don't need him to. Um you know, he runs away from people. Like, you can see the speed. He's going to be one of the faster guys on the team. And obviously, that might be a little bit duplicitous, considering that you already have Tavares Kelly in the fold. But he plays kind of a different role. And I think using somebody like Seneca out of the backfield is going to be a real asset to the team. Um, and I think getting him and Hollins both in the running back class, you kind of get like a thunder and lightning thing um, with those two. And, uh, again, another guy that committed really early and, and stuck through the process. Um and that's a school that UVA is going to want to keep going back to in the future, I'm sure. So uh, really excited about him. I think he brings uh, some more, you know, dynamic playmaking ability to an offense that, you know, needs as many of those guys as they can find. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he was he was one of my other ones as well. The thing about that kid is that, like, you, you, you really could move him around. And, I mean, I just want to see some races between he and, and Kelly. Yeah, um, that's what I like about him, honestly. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a through-the-tackles running back like uh, Jordan Ellis necessarily, but you can get them, get him the ball in space. That's just one more guy out there um, to, for the defense to worry about, and he can you know, kind of shift. He can make plays. So yeah, no I'm doubt. excited to see what he can do. What about you, Dave? Well, thanks for letting me go last. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, I mean, I got a top 10 list, but it's not based on <laughs> excitement. It's based on who I think is going to make an impact right away. Well, that's um, the next question, and I'll go first to you. Yeah, okay. But no, I, I appreciate that. Um, this is, uh, I, I'm torn. Like, Hollins would be my answer, like, my clean answer. Like, he, I think he is way underrated, and I agree with Bronco. I think even though Louisiana has a top, one of the top running backs in the country, if not the number one running back, if I remember correctly. By the by, the scouting services, um, Hollins Hollins is complete, man. Like he's not Tiki Barber fast, but he's Tiki Barber complete. Uh, you know, he's got a, a good first step, and he can. He's a good receiver, and I think he gives you a lot of versatility in the game. Um, but I'm gonna go a little off topic, a little off off the beaten path, and go Robert Harvey Jr. Um, and the reason he excites me, you know, it won't we won't see him for a few years probably at the quarterback position. But the reason he excites me is that I think the last decent coaching staff we had prior to Bronco was, you know, Al Groh's staff. I think we could all agree was a little bit better than Mike's. But the downfall to Al Groh is they stuck by this, like, you've got to be this big and this big to play this position, right? So they always struggled recruiting defensive line until they, they signed a walk on the Nate Collins who kind of bought him some time. But they never let Vic Hall play quarterback because he wasn't prototypical. Robert Harvey is not prototypical. Um, and the fact that the staff and Bronco didn't even hide from it in the press conference yesterday, he said, this is our next version of the quarterback. 
So I'm very excited. And that kid is dynamic. He's small, which is going to present challenges. But the fact they're willing to say, hey, he doesn't fit the mold of a 6'2 scrambling guy or 6-foot scrambling guy even. He's different, and we we like his athleticism, and we're willing to take a chance on him. I'm very excited to see what he what he brings a couple years down the road. Damn, that was a really good answer, Dave. You know, you know what's interesting about that is that one of the things that excited me when he committed was that he had a Syracuse offer because I feel like they always pick like good dynamic that's a good quarterbacks. Point too. Yeah, and I was like, if they like him, then that's good enough for me. <laughs> um, Dave, I, I told you I'd come back to you, and you could go first. So, all right. I, I want to separate the, these two categories. So when I say excited, it's not necessarily based on, you know, um, right away or that kind of thing. But I'm curious, Dave, who you think can make a big impact, the the the, the, the quickest impact. Right? Let's say it doesn't have to be like in 2019, but who, who, who who's a guy in this class that you can just see making the biggest impact the, the earliest? Um, I mean, I think Briggs is the easy answer. I think we can all agree that would be the first pick, right? I mean, there, there's a spot there, assuming, you know, we don't know what's going to go on with Bernie. If Bernie's not there, there's a spot. Um, but I'm going to go Deshaun Perry. Um, I think that's his first name. Is <laughs> Sorry. Just, um, I think Perry can can step in. You know, Chris Peace is graduating. We've got an outside linebacker. Perry, when I, he's one of those who, when I saw the junior film, I was like, uh, I'm not quite sure how he fits in. When I saw the senior highlights. That guy can get after it. So I think even if he's a situational player like Elliot Brown was and even Charles Snowden um, at, at points, I think if he can get in there, he's going to he's going to make an impact. Um, so I'll go with Perry. I'm going to go next because I don't want Ferber to steal my thunder here. And I'm going to go with Nathaniel Beal. Um, listen, you're not going to have many six foot five, 200 pound receivers who run like that kid does. Um I'm still not sure how. I mean, maybe because he was he was with Iowa State and 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 people just didn't give him a look. But man, how that kid did have more interest. I watched his film and was just like really blown away. Um, I could definitely see him playing right away. Um, you know, they've this is a dynamic they need in the offense. Um, I, I that's no disrespect to Wicks or to Goddard. I think both of those guys are also really good. Um, when you guys said you were, I guess it was the Justin Anderson podcast with Jeff and he's talking about the Wix is like a seven foot wingspan or whatever. Um, which is just absurd for a kid who's six foot two. Um, but Beal, I just think is going to play and play early and I could definitely see him having a big impact, uh, even right away. What about you, Ferber? Yeah, this is interesting. I have a guy that I think is going to be a really good player, but I don't know how much he's going to play next year. Um, Hunter Stewart, uh, the dude looks like he could be a tackling machine. He just he runs hard to the ball. He's a great athlete. Um, he plays against really good competition up here in D.C. Uh, I think the dude is going to be a prototypical uh, linebacker in this defense. I think he's going to be a guy that is a multiple-year starter. Um, but I don't know. The, the thing that kind of throws me off is that they have pretty much all the linebackers coming back except for Peace, and I'm not sure if he's inside or outside. So, um I don't know if he has a clear path of the field right away, um, but I think that there's a chance that he could end up factoring in somehow. I'm not exactly sure, but I am excited that they got him. Um, that's a good addition to the team. Honestly, if I was going to pick somebody this year to just come in and play right away, it'd probably be one of the DBs because they could be a little light there, especially if Bryce Hall decides to go pro. Um, Fentrell Cypress or Major Williams, I guess, as at corner um, would be the two logical ones. Yeah, that makes sense. And that actually sort of leads into my, my next question, which is the biggest wild card of the group. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, the risk reward or if however you want uh, to balance that. Basically, the guy who who could could make the biggest impact, even though maybe we're not necessarily seeing it like in the rankings or ratings or what have you. Um, since I threw this topic at you or this question at you, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I would have said Harvey mainly because um, even before Dave made what I think was probably one of the best points that anybody's ever made on a podcast. Um, I just really still blown away, Dave. That was really smart. Not that it was like a surprise. I just like, dang, like that, I'm kind of mad. I'm, sal- I'm salty at myself for not thinking of that. Got to earn my money. Um, yeah, yeah, your, your money. That's right. Um, but consider it earned. Yeah, that's right. Consider it earned. Um, Mike Hollins looks like a, to me, a faster Jordan Ellis. Um, 
And we've we've talked about how like there's so much about JE that fits everything about this team. It's just there are times when they need more explosion out of their running back. Um, uh, I think the I think it's got to be Ben Smiley though for me. Like Ben Smiley because of maybe the the fact that he's a seven five seven kid and he's really the first highly you know high profile seven five seven kid to pick them. Um, you know, he is, I mean, we all remember when he, you know, committed for like 30 minutes once. Um, and I remember saying at the time, like, I actually don't think that this, this, this actually could really play well for UVA. Everybody's like, what do you mean that? I'm not saying, you know, you, you want a guy to decommit from you 30 minutes later, but the fact that they, they stuck with him, um, you know, considering that, you know, that's sometimes a, a, an awkward situation. I just feel like with this kid, he has so much talent. And there's so much clay there to work with um, that it's that it that that it's hard. I mean, I get it. Former four star guy, you're not you know oh wild card, but he he can make an impact right away. To, in my opinion, because of his his measurables, but I also think too like um, I think this process and how it went for him um, could be a huge motivating factor in the sense that what this staff did with Andrew Brown and and sort of not just got him on the right trajectory, but like on and off the field, like Ben Smiley looks up to Andrew Brown as if, you know, Andrew Brown was like his big brother. I could totally see Smiley learning from Brown's mistakes or learning from his story and really, you know, going up, you know, taking everything that Vic Soto has to give him and just, just grinding. And I I feel like, He's the guy because of because Briggs is in this class that a lot of people are gonna are gonna miss, but he's the guy I think who could have um, maybe the biggest reward. Ver- you know what I'm saying? Like uh, in terms of a wild card, I think he's the one because he could he could be he he's an all ACC type of talent in my opinion. Um, and that's and that's on a look and that's on a group defensively not only with Briggs who I think is also an all all ACC kind of kid, but. Like Hunter Stewart is basically like Micah Car- Kaiser inc- reincarnated, right? And Nick Jackson, I think, is one of the best linebacker uh, prospects that they've had in a long time. Um, the Ahern kid just gobbles up tackles, um, and then those DBs I think are pretty deep. Um, I like I really like Cypress. I really like Dixon. Um, so I I think ultimately it's a really nice uh, haul on the defensive side. I think Briggs is is my wild card though. Um, let's see. Dave, let's go to you. Uh, who is, if we, if you if you look you look at this group of wild, you know in terms of wild card, who who's the guy? I mean, there's so many ways to go with that. Um, I know I asked the question very broadly, <laughs> so you could define it. I mean, I've got two, but um, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Like Goddard would have been my first. Like Goddard's the first one that popped in my mind. I think he gets lost in the late kind of receivers surge. Like that boy is prolific, man. Like, yeah, yeah, he broke. A ton of records. Yeah, he's, he, he um, produces. I mean, it wasn't the top, top level competition, but it was good competition. And he produced and he's got size. Um, but I'm going to go with Al Sufi. Like, you guys know I like him. Um, he just he just has that mean streak. And even, you, you know, we don't know the competition he's played or anything else. But when you, he just has a nasty streak about it. Like, you know, what a lot of times you'll see when you watch offensive line film is if they're playing someone small, they kind of take it easy on them. Like, no, he didn't. Like, he just buried that dude in the ground. Um, and because I think, you know, he's so big and he's so athletic for his size, I think he can come in and maybe start at an inter- interior offensive line position right away um, and give you a little bit of flexibility. So I'm going to go with Al Sufi just based on the fact that I think he's a little underrated. He did have a floor to offer, but, you know, underrated because we're coming from Europe. But I also think he's a wild card because if he's good and he has success here and it opens that pipeline for Virginia, there's a lot of interesting players coming from that group he's with. Um, and that could not hurt. And I'll just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I think that Dave was kind of on the right track with the Goddard thing. I'm going to say Dontavian Wicks just because of how they were able to kind of unearth him late in the class and offer him and get him. Uh, the dude, I think he only had New Mexico and Louisiana Lafayette. I think those were his only two FBS offers. And uh, I, I'm really excited in general about this pipeline into Louisiana that um, Ricky Brumfield seems to be able to kind of get into. Um, that's an area where they've 
not really had a ton of guys, you know, come to UVA over the last forever. Um, but it's an area with a ton of talent, kind of like Florida, where you might be able to unearth a guy here or there that doesn't get an LSU offer or an Arkansas offer or whatever. Um, what I see when I look at his film is somebody that is super athletic that was probably um, kind of forced to play out of position, and it seems like they tried to showcase him at wide receiver some this year to get him some offers. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but it seemed like he was playing some quarterback too. Uh, it, like Bronco said yesterday, he kind of comes from a basketball background, really good athlete, um, but you know he he's kind of he hasn't played a ton of football, but you know you can see the skills, and I think. He's the kind of guy like Beal, who I think is a little bit more polished, and Goddard, who's probably a little bit more polished. I think he's a guy that could contribute for this team, uh, for you know, in a significant way going forward. I think you know he, he fits the mold of the outside receiver that can block and you know get out and run a bunch of different routes, and uh, he can go up and win a ball. Uh, and I think that you know it's it's going to be interesting to see if they can go back down to Louisiana and keep getting guys like him because. I think that there's a ton of talent down there, and, and if they can kind of bring some to UVA, that's a way to boost the class. And I was really excited when they, uh, you know, when he kind of came on the scene late and then got the offer. Um, I think he's going to be a really nice addition to the class, and certainly a guy that I think has been overlooked. Um, <clears throat> so whenever whenever you see websites or whoever do these kinds of you know superlative things, they always have these really dumb names for stuff. <clears throat> and I tried to come up with things that were not quite as dumb. Um, so I got you wild card. I, I want to know um, I, the, the next one. I, I, I didn't give a, a title to because I knew it was going to be dumb if I did. But but one thing I was thinking as I was looking to this group is there are always guys who play way above their station. Right. Guys, you know, there's a Bryce Hall and basically in every class. Sure. They're, they're guys who are highly rated who don't do as well, but they're these underrated guys. So let's just say un, most underrated. Um, and, and I'm guessing, Ferber, from what you just said, that your pick would probably be Wicks because you you watch his film and you see a you, you see a guy who should have had a lot more offers. Um, I'll give you a chance to 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 say that for real in a second. Yeah. Um, but I, the guy for me. And it's weird because he's not a two star. It's 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 the Goddard kid because, all right, look, his measurables are good, dude. All right, this kid caught seventy eight passes for thirteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns last this past season, right? His team won back to back state championships, right? Um, he he leaves his high school as as not only the single season receiving yard record holder the career receptions record holder, the career receiving yards record holder, and the career touchdowns record holder. Um, like, dude, that's a lot. Um, I mean, Bronco talked a lot yesterday about yield, right? You know, they need to get better at the X on the edges. They had to get more yield. Production, yield. Yield, production. To me, in a couple years, this kid could legitimately be, you know, in that sort of all-ACC discussion. Because he just, it seems like he just catches everything. I mean, unless unless Greenville was just throwing the ball 150 times a game, like how how else is he putting up these numbers? He, the kid just must catch everything that comes his way, and his film looks really good to me. So to me, even though he's not a two star, he's the he's the guy I think is going to surprise the most a number of people. Um, Ferber, let's go back to you. Do you would you pick Wicks? For that, honestly, Goddard would probably would have been my answer. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna, but I'm, yeah, I mean, like, I think Wicks is underrated, but I think the most underrated is probably Goddard. But if I was gonna give a different answer for this, it's kind of weird, but I think it's the other receiver. I think it's Beal. Um, I think he's just, I don't think, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here, I don't look at everybody's film. I think he's a borderline four star talent. Um, and you he's don't polished. See, yeah, you don't see many guys that big who run that well. You know what I mean? Right. He's he's a polished receiver. He, he knows what he's doing out there. He plays like at a high level of football down in Houston. Um, he he's a good fit for what UVA wants to do, and I'm sure he would have been a good fit for what Iowa State does because they do a good job with their receivers as well. And he has offers. I mean, he had offers from Arizona, Arizona State, Baylor, um, UVA, obviously. Uh, but I think that he kind of. I think like three, four years from now, he could be the kind of player that people are like, how did he get out of Texas? Like, you know, how did UVA go down there and find this guy? Because I think that his speed and size is rare, uh, especially for a guy that um, apparently values academics and also, um, 
you know, he's, I think he's going to be able to block. So I think he's probably the most underrated. Hollins, honestly, would have been my other one because I think he's really good too. And I know those guys aren't necessarily at the bottom of the class rankings, yeah, yeah. but that doesn't mean they're not underrated. Dave, you're going to come back with, with, with Al Sufi? Is that, is that where you're going to go? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I probably would have gone to one of the, either Al Sufi or one of the two you guys mentioned, but yeah, we're what, like 40 plus minutes into this podcast. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to give you two because I think it's unfair to either one to leave them out of this discussion. And that, that's two guys who were mentioned in the initial list and are amazing players and could have been like a, one of the better players in any of the previous recruiting classes. And that's Major Williams and Antonio Clary. Um, Clary could start out of the gate. Like I saw some film on him and I wasn't convinced he was a DB. And then I saw another set today and I think some of the clips didn't do his hip hip motion justice. So like, and just because of the potential need there, depending on what happens, like Antonio Clary is pretty well, you know, he's, he's rated, He's a three star and he had 17 plus offers, but we haven't really talked about him. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to put Clary there. And then major Williams, I think he's another speed guy from, from Dunbar where Seneca's from, um, you know, who can come in and, as we saw this year with TK, even if you don't produce, just having the speed opens up a lot. Um, so I'm excited about both of those guys and and think they kind of get overshadowed because of the late additions of, say, Dixon and, um, the, you know, the late addition of Dixon and then the late addition of uh, of Beal. So those two. Good answer. Yeah, um, I mean, I, made, I mentioned Williams to you guys yesterday as a guy that I thought, like, he has all the measurables and – yeah. I trust this staff to be able to develop DBs because this dude, I mean, he's the kind of guy that he could be something because he's got the size, the speed, everything. Right. Yeah, you're right. Both of those guys ended up a DB. I, my, my hunch is one of them end up on the offensive side of the ball. But if they both end up a DB, it's like that's not Yeah, I mean, Major Williams could play wide receiver. Like, that's yeah. not crazy to think. But I think, I think if they could keep too. him on defense, they'd be happy with that. Right. All right, last category. And um, so – I. I think we've we've done a really good job tonight of, of being obviously uh, pretty positive, and I don't want this question to necessarily be negative. But I'm I, every class has to have a co- couple of guys who you're a little bit unsure of, um, and so I'm gonna uh, we're just gonna call this one the fighter, right? Who's gonna have to scrap for playing time? Which of these group? Which which, which guy in the, in the, on the list? Which of the guys in this in this group do you think has the hardest path to the field? Either because of what's on the roster currently. Or maybe his his skill set, his measurables, what have you. Um, and since I just tossed that one out there, I'll go first. I, I think it's got to be the it's got to be Dixon, simply because this is such a deep class at DB, um, and because you know it, we we know that Virginia has you know a lot that they have to sort of fill in the pipeline at, at that position. Um, my guess is he's at cornerback, and that is going to be a little bit. Um, you know, there's a little more urgency at corner maybe than there is at safety because of, you know, some of the other guys that are currently on the roster. Um, but when I look at the DBs, uh, you know, I think Major's a corner, um, Cypress is a corner, Clary Chalmers are probably both safeties. Um, so d- he's got to play his way to me a little bit, um, you know, a little bit deeper. Um, not, and that's not to say I don't think he can do it. I just think that if you look at this group and you think like, all right, maybe Ahern at linebacker because of how good uh, Perry on the outside, Stewart likely on the inside, uh, and the and the kind of roster that they have in front of them is right at linebacker, wide receiver. I mean, all three of the kids that they got in this class could probably play next year and probably will. Um, and I didn't mean to leave Nick Jackson off in that linebacker discussion, by the way. Um, Maybe you could say R.J. Harvey, but for me, I think it's I think it's got to be Dixon. I've given you guys enough time now to to come up with an answer, Dave. We'll start with you. Who's the guy that you feel like has to scrap the hardest for playing time? And I'm going to go with one of the linebackers because I think that's one of the positions where right we've got the most depth. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Ahern just because I think between Ahern, Stewart, and um, and Nick, you know Jackson, they're all kind of my hunches that. Nick and Stewart are in inside linebackers, but with this staff, I can never tell you because, like, they will use them as outside until they need them as inside. Um, but I'm going to pick Ahern because I'm pretty sure he's going to prove me wrong because <laughs> that's the way it works at the linebacker position. Um, you know, I think I like his talent a lot, and you're right; he, he is a tackling machine. Um, but just from depth, you know, when you're coming into class with two others, 
and coming into a roster that, that does have some young talent there um, inside and outside, unless he can play outside, he's probably going to have to really fight to get interior um, playing time. It's fair. All right, Ferber, finish this up. Who's the guy you feel like has to scrap the hardest for? for yeah, the I would have gone with Ahern too. Um, I'll go with Chase Chalmers just because of the same reasons that you just mentioned. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of depth in the defensive backfield right now, and they brought in some really talented guys, and um, somebody's got to kind of work their way up. And I think that honestly, he's probably the one. And I don't mean this to degrade the kid or anything. He's just probably the one that didn't jump out to me as much as the others, but that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be good. <laughs> like Dave said, it's usually the other way around. And I kind of feel the same way about Ahern where he's rangy and I kind of, am like, all right, I know that. And, and I need to see more about like, you know, how he's going to fit in on this defense and compared to the other guys in the class. Um, but those guys, Chalmers and Aaron, will probably be starting in three in uh, six months' time or whatever, because <laughs> that's just the way it works. Yeah, um, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. I think, like I said, this is a <clears throat> a good class um, for a variety of reasons. But you know, look, I, people can get down on recruiting rankings, but typically, um, when it comes to um, you know, when it comes down to it, we're not too far off. Um, so the numbers show it uh, that this is a pretty pretty solid group, and certainly. The, the play on the field plus whatever they've done, you know, changes they've made in the, in the football office and with the recruiting operation has worked. Um, and my guess is that we'll see a lot of similar sort of results in, in 2020. Um, if you are someone out there who has found the website through the podcast um, uh, but has not subscribed, feel free to do that. Um, we, <laughs> we, we have a lot of stuff obviously coming down with the bowl game coming and ACC play for hoops. Uh, you, you definitely want to check out that story I did on Dontavian Wicks. Um, he, he was hanging his, his host on the visit was Alameda Zacchaeus and Alameda. He, he basically would not have known who he was. And he basically told me in his thick Louisiana accent that uh, he was looking wherever number four was and he couldn't, he, he didn't, he couldn't figure out who he was. And then he realized that the guy he'd been hanging out with the whole time was, was Zacchaeus. Um, and, and I thought that was just really interesting. But, yeah, you definitely want to subscribe to the site. Give that a look. Um, we'll be obviously previewing this weekend's basketball game and, and then a lot of stuff coming up next week for uh, the Belt Bowl. If you're somebody who has found the podcast through the website, uh, give us a review wherever it is you find your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, um, whatever it is on Android. Uh, reviews uh, always help to, to spread the word and, 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 and bring people to the show. But again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support us. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, it is very much appreciated. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.